Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. It is Monday, February 19th. Welcome to the Wise Guys, the number one BYU sports live stream talk show in the world. I'm Blaine Fowler. Uh, I am in studio tonight. And uh, my main guy and uh, my, my great partner for 30 plus years is down in Arizona where he has been laboring as the sole play-by-play guy, calling call the color and the play-by-play for BYU's baseball road trip down to Arizona. Dave, how's it going down in Arizona? 78 degrees and sunny today. It's just like, it's awesome. The ballpark is the Cubs spring training facility. So uh, it's been like uh, it's been like going back to Chicago, only uh, not as far and much warmer. Um, we'll talk about the baseball team a little bit later today, but you know what? It's the challenge to be the lone voice on a baseball broadcast. It's not a, an analyst down here because because you get too busy with work or whatever. But um, so it's a lot of talking from the start to the very end, and so we say that just enough energy for wise guys, and I'm tapping out for the day, but. Uh, it's fun. It's great to have everybody here. There's a nice BYU crowd down there, uh, down here. And, um, you know, wise guys is catching on all over the place. So, uh, this is a, this is a big show tonight on President's Day. And we got a lot going on. Yeah. And, you know, for people who are wondering if we've done this before, we have. You had to MC a show, uh, uh, a big, uh, event down in Vegas. And we did it this way. And, and there's been twice, um, that I, one time I was in Hawaii. I co hosted with you from Hawaii. Um, and another wow. time I co-hosted, co-hosted from the Newark Marriott Hotel, um, a, a hold up in my room. And so we've done it. Here's what's amazing to me. We've been doing this for almost three years, right? We're coming up on three up years. Two. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm two, sorry about that. Two, when's the anniversary? I'm trying to remember, Dave. Dude, when is the anniversary again? It looks like it's in May. It looks like we came on in May, uh, almost two years ago. May. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. yeah. The, the guys here uh, are, Jack just said May. So so we started in May two years ago. So it's been almost two years. The fact that we've only had to do three of these uh, remotely uh, tells you how committed we are to this thing, right? Um, right. And, and we're, we're grateful for the people that are committed, that, that follow us and, and that join with us. We're, we're glad to have you with us again this Monday night from all around the world. We've got a great show on tap for you um, here. Make sure that you follow us on ysguys.com. Follow us on YouTube as well. Subscribe at, at both places. We're going to put the link in the chat for you. Um, and if you subscribe to ysguys to wiseguys.com, then you're going to get our weekly email with highlights from the show, past interviews, including folks like Steve Young, Danny Ainge, Wally Joyner, Marie Osmond, Jimmer Fredette, Kyle Van Noy, Sherry Du, you name it. And they've been on this show and, uh, and you'll have the archive to all of that. But um, it, it, it all kind of launches from, from wiseguys.com. So make sure you go and subscribe. And you and I both are subscribers to our own show. So we get the alerts and the emails that also alerts you when, when we're hitting the air. So, um, so we're glad we've got lots of folks here. Jonathan Ashcroft in the house again. Kent Woodworth in the house from Kansas City, Olathe, Kansas. 
That's uh, that's on the KCK side. Um, Vegas is here. Dr. Ketch, who, who seems like never misses from Vegas in the house. Farmington, BYU Sports Addict. Does BYU Sports Addict ever miss the show? I don't think. Think so. Yeah, I don't think ever misses don't the. Sh- so. I don't think they ever missed the show from Las Vegas. Glenn Lumen from the Philippines, 9 a.m. Tuesday morning. Glenn is one of our most face- faithful followers who who always checks in from the Philippines with us every week. I, I do love how Corey Yoshimura last week we called him out a couple of times, and last week he said I had I had to get on live from Japan because I got tired of being called out when he was listening to the show later. His golfer won the Genesis over the weekend, so uh, we brought him good luck. That's right. on the, to the show, and then uh, Matsuyama wins the Genesis, and everyone's happy. That's so. Is there such a thing that are you saying that there's such a thing as wise guys karma? It's the first time we've ever really given out any karma, and it seemed to work for him. Maybe I know there's Sports Nation karma. But wise guy's karma might just be a different, maybe a higher grade of karma. Well, it's, the, it's so, on the PGA Tour. Yeah, so the Genesis is a huge tournament on tour. Yeah. And as you met, mentioned, Hideki Matsuyama, who I met a couple years ago at the Masters with Corey, um, is his, like, he handles all of the, the players in the Asia-Pacific uh, part of the tour. So that's his guy. He comes on the show for the first, he, he comes on and gets in live, because he's been listening to the show, but he gets in live, which is like 10 o'clock in the morning in Japan, and that week following, Corey Yoshimura wins the Genesis Open. Yeah. I, I don't think we'll miss another show, nor should he. Yeah, no, he should not. And all of you should take that, keep that in mind, all of you that have, that have joined us. So we are grateful for, for all of you. Got a great, great show uh, on tap for you today, um, BYU. Football, another day closer to spring ball. They start next week. Coaches are in meetings this week um, working on putting preliminary depth charts. You have to have a place to start from when spring ball starts. The preliminary depth charts are being put together. They're putting the practice schedules together, getting ready to go for spring ball, which is going to start next week on the 29th. It's amazing is no matter what airport we're in or what city we're in, uh, what chapel we're visiting, Everyone has a football question. And so that's why you go, hey, this show always starts with football. And it does for the most part because that's what we get asked the most. Um, and, and uh, you know, down here in Arizona is no exception. And so I'm looking forward to, to pass on a couple of things I'm not sure folks have heard about, but we will uh, we'll throw that out. Mike Hall is going to be with us. Remember, Blaine, back in the day, you and I were on the call. Uh, they're playing Air Force, and he goes in and throws down one of the greatest dunks of all time as far as BYU history goes. He's on the show tonight. Probably not going to be dunking anything, but we're going to be talking about it. And also, there feels like there's a little panic in Cougar Nation after the Oklahoma State game on Saturday. So we'll talk about that, too, and maybe maybe we'll move some people away from the edge. Uh, but it's a big game coming up tomorrow Baylor. Yeah, we, hey, we'll definitely ask Mike about defense. He was known as a great, great defender. I mean, uh, that dunk notwithstanding, like that dunk was something special. We should have brought some hot chocolate and donuts so he had had something to dunk here, but but he just has water uh, awaiting as, as his arrival. Um, but he was known as a just a phenomenal defender. Um, so so when we get him on, you know, we're committed to talking to him about what's happened to the defense the last couple of day, games, especially in the Oklahoma State game. And I'm, I'm sure he'll have uh, his thumb on the on the pulse of what's going on with that. So wait a minute, can't have his thumb on it because you. You can't take your pulse with a thumb. You have to. You take it. I think you have to take it with your fingers, because I think you can feel your own pulse with your thumb. So let's say he has his fingers on the pulse, the pulse. 
of what's going on. Um, yeah, and we'll talk Cougar baseball. Um, and nobody's closer to that than you are right now. I still don't know how you're doing this um, to, to, to call the play-by-play and the color, but but you've been right up there up close and personal. You can give us a review and preview of what's what's to come. We'll also touch on softball a little bit. Uh, but let, let, let's start with football, a couple of headlines from football. Um, FanDuel and 24-7 sports set BYU's 2024 win total at four and a half games. Tied with Arizona State and Houston for the lowest in the Big 12. What's your reaction to that, Dave? Well, I I thought, and I thought again, and then I read a little bit about it, and I thought four and a half. Um, It feels like BYU, I think you and I have been talking about seven, not four and a half, but this is kind of where the money line is. And, um, gosh, four and a half, that's not a very good season. The BYU's at four or five wins. Um, we we got to get to six. We got to get to a bowl game in the second year, especially with all the changes that they made. Clearly, they don't have any faith in um, the quarterback spot. And speaking of Vegas uh, and and these outlets, to go to four and a half games because SMU, Wyoming, um, and uh, Southern Illinois, there's three of them right there. And then they're saying BYU is four and a half. They don't got a lot of faith in 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 what's going. So what's going on this season? It feels like BYU. I, I would take the over on that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I was surprised to see it so low. What, what do you think? I think that that's a, a big underestimation. And like I said, you, you and I have talked about this on the show, and we've actually gone through the schedule. You've already mentioned three. If BYU doesn't, and I realize playing at SMU is no picnic and playing at Wyoming is no picnic, but BYU should just be better than those teams at this point, right? Um, especially taking into account the pieces they just added in this recruiting class, both through the transfer portal and incoming freshmen and return missionaries on the defensive side of the ball. This is year two of Jay Hill's defense. So that everybody's going to know the defense better. You got a core of guys coming back. You're deep at every position now defensively. If BYU doesn't finish in the top three in the big 12 in defense this year, I will be flabbergasted. That's how good I think they're going to be defensively. Now, Questions of quarterback and all that. But a top three defense is going to get you to six wins, if nothing else, right? Um, So Southern Illinois, SMU, Wyoming. Kansas State's at home. They're going to be really good. Like, that's a 50-50 game. I don't know. I can't predict that one. But at Baylor, Baylor was 3-9 and last year with a bunch of new staff again and, and guys transferring out again. So, so, so that one, I think BYU's got a chance to win on the road at Baylor. Now, Arizona and Oklahoma State both come in here. Because they're in Cougar Stadium, or in LaBelle Edwards Stadium, I have those as kind of 50-50 games too. Maybe they win one of those two. Those are two teams that I think are favorites in the league coming back. Arizona with Fafita and that. But let's say they get one of those. They're, not, they're already at five, and they're not even to the bye week yet. Right, um, they play at Central Florida. That's a long road trip. Central Florida finished strong last year, so so, so let's say those middle three games are all in between buys or kind of fifty-fifty games. You get one or two of those, you're you're knocking on the door. You come off the buy at Utah. Anything can happen in that game, right? right? Absolutely. Um, Kansas at home. I I just. I can't see Kansas. Uh, the, to me, Kansas is supposed to be really good again this year too. But, but that's that's a win that BYU could get at home. And then they play at Arizona State, who was three and nine last year, and felt like the wheels were coming off. And then they have Houston at home, and I can't see them losing to Houston at home, 
right? Wow. So I'm the ones I'm just like, I can't see them losing. Southern Illinois, SMU, Wyoming, at Baylor, Arizona State, and Houston. That's six right there. Yeah. And then I'm yeah, saying, I don't know why they get four and a half. And then I'm saying, any any of these games are 50 are, are 50, 50 or close to it. Kansas State, Arizona, Oklahoma State at home, at Central Florida, at Utah, and Kansas at home. Tell you tell me they're not going to get one or two of those. So so I I still would would say seven is a realistic number for for this year's team. And you know what's going to happen? We we know what's going to happen. They're going to lose a game that we think that they should win, but they're going to win a game that we think that they should lose, and they're still going to end up right where we thought they were going to be. Like you know, Oklahoma State's going to be good, but BYU with Jake Redflat led twenty four to six at halftime in Stillwater. So fast forward to the following season. And should BYU be able to finish that game in Provo? It, it, it seems like they could. Uh, they led at halftime at Kansas, despite giving up two touchdowns to the defense. Uh, and, and that Kansas team is coming to Provo. It should BYU not be that much more better at home. And, and uh, so, yeah, four and a half. You know, if you were saying six and a half, you can debate the what ifs and this yeah, and that. Yeah, that, um, that would not be a bet. That I would go six and a half. Yeah, that's fair is the over-under. Yeah. Four and a half seems extremely pessimistic. But you know what? Maybe you're not paying attention to what we saw come to this defensive side of the football. And maybe, right. they're, not, and maybe they're not paying quite as much attention to how deep they are at wide receiver. Um, and you know what they didn't do? They didn't sit here with the transfer portal quarterback – like we had the opportunity to do, to look in yeah. in his eyes, to hear his passion, to hear what he's been doing, to talk to him about his health, to talk to him about the workout he had with BYU and how he fared in that and how he's feeling. Because um, I know you and I were wondering, but after we sat here with him for 45 minutes, we, we kind of stopped wondering, didn't we? He, he was a, a man among boys. It blew me away. And I looked at you after he left, and I go, you know, there, there'll be a great quarterback battle perhaps in spring, and and uh, and who knows who's going to come out of it. But uh, when he left, I even texted you after the show, and I go, yeah, that guy's a leader. Mm-hmm. And if his shoulder's healthy, that's our guy. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Now, now, anything can change for any team. Like, like I yeah. think Arizona's going to be really good this year. Not if Fafita goes down. No. Then they become an average team, right? If, if, if Ollie Gordon uh, gets hurt in the first game for Oklahoma State, they're not the same team, right? Um, if, if Utah loses three starting linebackers like BYU did a couple of years ago, they're not going to be great on defense. I expect Utah to be lights out on defense, not if they lose three starting linebackers, they're not. You know? And so injuries play such a big role. But So just assuming that BYU stays relatively healthy, I can't, I can't see less than six wins for this team. I just can't see it. At the end of the season, if we're remembering this prognostication and they were right, then we'll salute them, and uh, and and then we'll be all scratching our heads as to how BYU is four wins or five wins. Um, but there's a buzz going into spring camp, and uh, and I believe the pieces are there, and, and I like the schedule. I think the schedule plays out really nice for them to have some of these tougher teams at home, whereas last year they. They were on the road. So I'm optimistic for, let's say, six and a half. And, and I would lean to seven with you. Um, just based on where they were last year and how they got better in spots where they were not as strong um, as they could have been. And, of course, it all comes down to the quarterback. But we feel good about um, 
about Gary Bohannon and and Les Les as a backup or vice versa, depending right. on how it we, goes. We feel good about the pair, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I like that West Virginia's not on the schedule because the way they, the, the, the physicality and the way they ran the football at the end of the year and who they have coming back, they're scary. And Iowa State, I'm glad they're not on the schedule. I think Iowa State's the most physical team in the league. And, yeah. and you know, you, you could make an argument, maybe Utah, but I think Iowa State matches right up with Utah in physicality and no Iowa State on the schedule this year. That's a good thing, right? Iowa State's the kind of team that can go on the road and win because they're so physical. Uh, no Texas Tech, who I think is just gonna gonna make a step forward. No TCU, who I think is coming back to show that they belong back at the top where they were. Um, and, and Colorado, who's up and, and coming, I'm just not quite sure about. And Cincinnati, not on the schedule as well. But I like the ones. I'm I'm really glad no West Virginia. Really glad no Iowa State. Really glad no TCU on the schedule. So I'm with you. I if like Iowa I like State, schedule. If Iowa State was on the schedule and Texas Tech. Those would be road games. Yeah, because they were here yeah. last year and. You know what? We'll deal with them. We'll deal with them down the road. Yeah. Speaking so of things coming up. The NFL Combine is February 26th. It's mm-hmm. around the corner over in Indianapolis. Keaton Slovis gets an invite along with Kingston Suamataia and Ryan Rico. They're among the 321 players that get invited to this thing. I, I talked to Keaton and wrote a story. You can find it at Desret.com. Uh, he was excited. Um, it was funny because the, uh, the Combine sent him an email. Uh, long before the day it was announced, uh, but he didn't get it because it went to one of his old emails while all the <laughs> other football emails went to his regular email. So he said he was sitting there talking to his roommate back at the East-West Shrine game, which was Isaac Rex, and mm-hmm. Rex was talking to his agent and talking about the combine. And he starts going, man, I haven't got my, I haven't heard from anybody about the combine. He gets nervous, goes back and searches and comes across his old iCloud email. And there's an email from the NFL that says, sorry, we missed you. We need you to contact us. And so then he gets, he reads that, calls his agent, they get it all worked out. He gets his paperwork in. And now Slovis has a chance because he's been invited to the combine to get a job. I mean, he's still got to win it, but there are a lot of quarterbacks that didn't get invited to that thing. Yeah. I, I think his, he had a great week of practice um, at, at the, at that bowl that uh, East West shrine. And then um, I think he, he has a chance to really of all of the three has the best chance to really improve his stock. And, and even if it's a free agent signing or a late draft pick, uh, I, I think he has a chance to prove to people, you know what? It's worth giving this guy a shot because we think he has the kind of skill set um, that he displayed at, at USC that early in the season he did at BYU, but then he got that shoulder injury and re- really couldn't show. This is his chance to say, "Here's what I look like healthy. I have this NFL skill set. Um, it'd be great. It'd be great to see him. Hey, we're we really like Keaton Slovis. He's at one heck of a human being and great great kid. So we wish him the best. I think I think Kingsley, he's made for the combine. Kingsley is a combine hero. Like he's, they're gonna look at him. They're gonna measure him up and go." Man, this guy's like a beast size-wise. Then they're going to put him in the drills, and they're going to go, wait, nobody this big is supposed to be this agile, this explosive, and this fast. This is not fair. And he's just going to move up the draft boards because of that. Um, Because of his, like, he he literally is built for a combine. And then Rico's the guy that everybody's just going to stand back, and when he starts pounding the football, they're all just going to go, whoa, and just watch bomb after bomb and you know his his record as a punter he was up right up in the top of the rankings 
every year that he's been a punter. But um, so, so would you agree that Slovis has the most to gain in, in this? And I think, I think at least I get the feeling because he talked to every team when he was at the shrine. He said they, everybody talks to every team. Because uh, I said, hey, who are the teams that are kind of thinking about you? And he said, you know, it's hard to say, but by the time the combine gets closed, he'll have a better list. Um, he got hurt uh, late in the game against Texas on a strip sack is what jacked up his elbow for the mm-hmm. rest of the season. He said that uh, he wanted to play those last two, but he wasn't quite right. He knew he if, if we got to a bowl game, he'd be playing in the bowl game, and then and then we didn't get to a bowl game. A week after the season, he cleared and pronounced healthy. Um, so he went into the Shrine game healthy and into those practices. And uh, it might surprise Cougar fans um, if, if he uh, lands a job in the NFL. But you know what? Chris Brooks surprised Cougar fans. Jack Milne surprised Cougar fans. Um, and and so, hey, anything's possible. But the fact that he's gotten this far, now he's got to make the throws. He's just got to impress one guy. Right. And you impress one guy. Then you get invited to a, either get drafted or get invited to a training camp, and then the rest is on you. Do you make it or not? So well, I love that he got invited. I, I wish his season had gotten better at BYU, um, but he got the tape that he needed, and uh, and here he goes. And, uh, and you get the invite, and you get to go. And now Kyle Van Noy gets to talk about to our friend. Is, That's right. He's going to work for the NFL Network as an analyst covering the combine. So you expect Kyle to give some props to the three tubes. And uh, we'll see what happens. Kyle, Kyle's another guy that uh, um, made for the combine, right? Like he's not only, you know, but Kyle Van is a tremendous performer on the field as well and had so much great tape on him. On Like I've never seen a player take over a game on the defensive side of the ball like he did that, San Diego, that game down in San Diego at the bowl game. That was, it was almost like he just turned a switch on and said, well, offense isn't going to do anything, so I'm going to have to win this game by myself from outside linebacker. I've never seen anybody do that at any level, and he did it in that game. But he's also, like Kingsley, a guy that, like, when you do all the measurable stuff, he's just off the charts on measurables. And so so he'll he's a great guy to have being an analyst at the Combine because he gets it. He gets what it takes on the field, but he also knows what, what looks great in the Combine. What I love about Kyle is after that game, uh, you and I were doing a live post-game show on BYU TV from uh, – was it Qualcomm? Yeah, it was in Qualcomm. Was? Yeah, in Qualcomm. And then he comes over and sits down with us, and that's when he announced he was coming back. For yeah, that's class. right. And in that year that he came back, he got married, finished his degree, and, and his whole life just got him ready for this NFL journey. And Yes, it uh, did. We'll have to get him back on the show now that he's back in a free agent to see what his strategy is for, for the coming season. But uh, he'll be on the NFL Network, so folks look for him, and we – we love Kyle. We, we wish him the best, and uh, and certainly we support him as best we can. Yeah. Hey, let's go through the spring schedule quickly here. Um, as I mentioned, the coaches are actively um, planning. You know, they're, they're literally – it's almost like a teacher getting their lesson plan together. This is what we do want to do on each practice. This is what we're going to emphasize. This is how many periods each practice is going to be. This is what we're going to focus on um, in the individual drills. They're also putting preliminary depth charts together. That's all happening right now. That's this week. Next yeah. week – uh, the first practice will be Thursday, February 29th. Um, and they report they can't be in full pads right off the bat. They have a little acclimation period. And then they get in full pads and start practicing in pads on Monday, March 4th. 
That's the day I'm, I look forward to. Day. Like you and I, yeah, it's okay watch them run around, but we want to see them in pads, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the alumni game. A lot of good questions about the alumni game because Lavelle Edwards Stadium's getting a new surface. And so the team is going to practice there and there won't be the alumni game at the stadium. However, the BYU owns another stadium. Uh, and BYU TV is eager to, uh, to do what we always do with broadcasting alumni game. But the old Provo High School is a, has a functioning football stadium. Not sure how they're going to configure it. But uh, we'll be there on March 22nd, and hopefully uh, we'll find out if Mac is going to be there. He's coming on the show in a couple weeks. But that'll be interesting to have the alumni game there as opposed to the football stadium. But I think it's going to be a blast, as, as it's always been. That's coming up on March 22nd, a Friday night. And then, and then after we get to do that for BYU, so if you can't make it, everybody that's joining us from all over, uh, Weston Birch from Nebraska is always in the house. Um we're 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 I'm just looking at some some other folks. Hey, Glenn Lumen, by the way, says basketball's nine and nine going to finish nine and nine in conference. Football is going to finish six and six. He's a 50 50 guy. Glenn is. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> for all you folks that are from all around the country and in the Philippines and you can watch that um, alumni game on BYU TV. And we love bringing that thing to you. And you can watch it on the app if you're somewhere uh, across the world. After that alumni game, that's not the end of spring ball. That's not the spring game. They. They actually have another week of practice. This is the same thing they did last year. So the last practice isn't until Friday, March 30th, when they do a close scrimmage and just kind of uh, tie things up. And then then in the offseason, there's some fun stuff uh, coming out on the road to bring BYU football to the fans. In a couple of markets where BYU is going to be on the road this fall, so they're seeding the market. That first one is the Fan Fest in Dallas on April 27th. And then where's the other one, Dave? I'm... Right down here. Oh, that's in right. The Phoenix and Gilbert area on May 18th, because the Cougars are coming to play the Sun Devils the Saturday before Thanksgiving. And, and let me tell you, um, clearly Arizona is a home away from home for BYU. In fact, I, I was told that by some folks that part of Mesa is called uh, uh, is Provo. What are we? South. Provo South. Yeah. Um, so. So we got a church uh, with the baseball team uh, yesterday, uh, the Mesa 20th Ward, and a super old building, um, pretty good-sized ward, and the baseball team's in the back, and, and uh, everyone's kind of excited that we've been with the team many times when they show up at wards, and it just kind of creates a buzz. Uh, and so one of, the, one of the speakers was up, and he closed with a go Cougs, which kind of got everyone's attention. And... Um, and then the, a young lady, uh, one of the young women, got up and gave a closing prayer and, and blessed uh, the baseball team that they would have a good season. And uh, just to, um, and that might be over the top. Some people might not be excited about that. But but as I was sitting there kind of watching this and these interactions here in Arizona, um, there is just a drawing power uh, when it comes to BYU sports and when they get out of Utah. And it's a rallying thing and, and people love it. They watch BYU TV. They watch the wise guys. Uh, they read DeseretNews.com because they can get that on their computer. But they don't get it served up in their home cities. And um, and so that experience at church yesterday, we're like, I feel good about the season. We had, had, had all those. Then we lost today, so I'm not quite sure. Uh, <laughs> actually, trends. it might be a long-term type thing. But I just sat there and I marveled a little bit about uh, – the power and influence that these athletes have on uh, members of the church, especially youth 
in the church and how big of a deal it is to even just have them pop in for a sacrament meeting um, uh, here in, uh, uh, in, in February. Um, and so the fan fest here in the Gilbert Phoenix area is going to be off the charts on May 18th. Yeah, May 18th. Alani and everyone will be here. And that, that'll be nuts. CYU TV will be here and the fans will eat it up. Wow. And then, and then Big 12 Media Days, and we'll have a lot of stuff coming out of there. BYU TV will be down there. Um, and Dave and I will participate in that July 9th through 10th. That's an Allegiant Stadium down in Vegas, your old stomping grounds. Um, so that's there. And then, hey, you know, one, one of uh, Kent uh, Woodworth on the chat said, hey, don't forget about the Big 12 Pro Day at the end of March, which we didn't mention, but that's a great reminder, right. Kent. And, and for those that aren't invited to the NFL Combine, um, the Big 12 is holding a big event um, where they're going to invite. So rather than each team have their own, um, the Big 12 is going to host one and invite players, people, each university will nominate who they want to go to that. And it'll be a big fanfare and big media thing. And all the scouts from every NFL team will be there. So there are a number of guys from BYU. And as we get closer to that, we'll fill you all in on who's going and we'll follow the results and do all of that as well. So and let, shout out to our friend Steve Sarkeesian. Yes. Uh, you see that? The former. My BYU goodness. He got a new deal with Texas. Here's how afraid Texas, I think, was that he was going to go to Alabama. They come back, they double his salary. He's going to make $10 million annually. Uh, that's over $70 million just through 2030. He gets access to a private plane, uh, a couple of cars, country clubs. Uh, hey, this is this. This is a really good time to be Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, it's, and, it's, uh, it's, cra- it's crazy. Um, but Texas is the the top revenue producing college program when you put everything into their gate receipts, merchandise sales, everything, Texas clearly has the biggest budget in college athletics. And they even made it more clear with what they just did for Steve Sarkeesian. But put this into perspective, because you, you talked about not just the 70 million bucks, but the cars and the private jet access and all of this stuff. That's way more than Andy Reid gets. Our guy, Andy Reid, who is a first ballot Hall of Fame coach already, and he's not even done yet. Um, one of the most, the one of the winningest coaches in the history of the game in the National Football League. And this package that they just put together for Steve Sarkeesian eclipses that by a mile. And Steve's not in the Hall of Fame. Not, you know, he, he just finally made it into the college football playoff. But but this is what Texas is doing. It is crazy we're happy for him we love steve he's a byu guy right but that is nuts to me absolutely yeah, nuts I, I, I saw that and i thought oh good for him yeah timing timing's everything now he's got to win but man yes yes he doesn't win he's still gonna get the money and uh i know it's, it's crazy, crazy. The, the buy, I, i'm dying to know what that buyout is so hey but before we're gonna come back to some some of these other headlines dave because uh our featured guest for tonight is in the house. We didn't even put him in the green room, although, what color is that carpet again, DJ? I don't even know. Steve, what is that carpet? The brown room, although I call it a, I call it a green room. Um, but, but Mike Hall is our guest on The Wise Guys. Um, during his two years at BYU, he averaged 13.3 points and 3.5 rebounds a game. Um, he is... Not only one of my favorite basketball players uh, ever to play at BYU, but one of my favorite people in any sport to play at BYU. He's made the transition in his afterlife. I don't know why, why I use the word afterlife, <laughs> but his after basketball life to now be 
involved in the in the football program, all of the athletics program, but involved in football. We're so glad to have Mike here. It's our pleasure to welcome Mike, welcome Mike Hall to Wise Guys. Mike, welcome in, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about it. We got we've got me here. Dave is down. Um, he is single handedly on the road with the baseball team, and he's calling. He's play by play and the analyst on the road with the baseball team. I he asks himself a question, and then he answers. <laughs> then he answers his own question. That's that's good talent right there. Yes, man. that it, is a talented man right it, there. It takes some talent. <laughs> yeah. So um, let, let's start with this because Dave already teased this um, when we were coming in. Um, BYU Air Force, two thousand four. <laughs> Dave and I are calling this game, by the way. Yeah. You, 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 might, you may remember that. The dunk of all dunks. It was the ESPN play of the day. Do you, rem- do you remember that play? I, I do remember. I, it's, it's hard not to remember. I think that's the only reason people remember me around here is that, that, that dunk right there. Yeah. <laughs> I, di- I did mention that you were also very well known for defense as well. <laughs> right. And, and you, you could score, you could defend, you could do it all. But, but I'm afraid when you have a highlight like that, that's just kind of your brand. You know what? That defense isn't necessarily the, I don't know if I'd say the, the, the sexy thing to do. Right. But Duncan is. The offense is all that, that's what people want to see, man. No one loves the defensive part of it. <laughs> Mike, and it's so great to have you with us. I wish I was there to, to be there in person. But when you made that move and you got past Jake's show, um, it's not a fast break. It's a set. You know, got five Air Force guys down there playing defense. When you swoop into the lane and get up to throw that down, what point did you think, I am going to throw it down? And were you surprised that they kind of got out of your way and let you do it? Yeah, I, I think, if I remember right, I don't know if they got out of my way. I think my man Jake Shove moved a lot of people out of the way. <laughs> Which, he <laughs> that, that might have been true. Which he could do. Um, and it just kind of opened up, and it, it was there. I, I was having a terrible game, too. I needed something to kind of – to, to fix my performance that day. Um, and, and that luckily Jake did that. He kind of helped me out. It helped my self-esteem. That's for sure. Cause I was not playing well. I don't, I don't think I, I don't remember playing well that game at all. Well, you, you certainly had the um, explosive uh, jumping ability to go up there and complete that play. Even if Jake may have shielded three or four <laughs> guys out of the way with that big old body, but yeah. we, we've been really anxious to get you in um, and talk about this basketball team this mm-hmm. year. Cause we know you follow it closely, even though you're more involved with football now, um, what, what's your initial thought on this first time run through the Big Twelve Conference with basketball? Man, I, I love this team, man. Like, I they play so hard, so hard, and I don't think. I mean, just I, I like to go after the games and listen and and read the coaches' conference from the opposing team, and, and I mean post game and pre game. And these, these coaches know in this conference that it's not going to be an easy game because, I mean, we run our offense great, we guard, we defend, they're tough. Like, it's not an easy game, and I love hearing other coaches say that. Um, I think more so just because of all the – the I, I wouldn't say people are kind of killing BYU, but finishing 13th and everything else. So I love to kind of see – Kind of, kind of everything turn around and saying, you know, this is a tough team. I love watching this team. It's really fun. It's been fun for me. The students are 18 and 7, 6 and 6 in the league, number 25 in today's AP poll, number 21 in the coaches, still in the top 10 in the net at 10. Ken Palm's got him 16. Lunardi still has him as a five seed. Mm-hmm. They're three games out of first, and they're three games out of last. What has impressed you the most about them? Just the level of how they compete. Like, I mean, when I say they play so hard, I mean, I, I know I, I just talked about I love defense. I would hate guarding this team. I 
<laughs> I really would. I don't know if there's one guy where I'd say, yeah, I would, I would, I wouldn't mind guarding him. It was, they just play hard and every single guy is a threat. Um, and, and being a defensive guy, I think that's just one hard. And, and think of the scouting report for other teams. I mean, that that has to be tough to guard. Um, so I, I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, I try not to go over to the annex a lot for practice. I don't want to hover. But I, I want to go over so bad and just watch practice. But I, I like to leave Pope and those guys alone. But I, I've really enjoyed watching this team. It's, it's been so fun. I, I think they probably would just be fine if you were. <laughs> like Jeff Chapman came and stayed with me a few few weeks ago. And I was going over to a practice and um, he said, can I go with you? I'm like, what are you, what are you asking me if you go? Like, yes, you could, like, you could go anytime you want. Right. And when we walked in, everybody was just so excited to see him. And right. I know Mark does a really good job of, of welcoming everybody that played back in, right. even though they didn't play for him necessarily, but they're part of the family. Right. You feel that, don't you? Oh, yeah. Pope does a great job. I mean, every time I see Pope, it's it's like, I mean, like, I'm, you know, he has a way of making whoever he's talking to feel like they're the, the most important person in the world. He does a good job. Um, but I just like to leave those guys, and I like to watch them afar. Um, Cody Figures is a coach. He actually lives in my neighborhood, so uh, I honk at him every now and then. We stop and chat, but I don't, I don't, I don't like bothering him so much, especially right now. Um, but I, I'm, I'm dying to go over. I just need a little. <laughs> okay, bit I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over with you. <laughs> is there a particular player um, that, that you've watched that's caught your eye this season that's impressed you more than the others on the squad? You know, you know what I like, and I was actually thinking about this question when I was driving over because I figured you asked that question and I don't know if I can really pinpoint one guy I think everyone has their role what I love the most about this team is the team concept what what Pope teaches all these guys they they win as a team they play defense as a team they do everything as a team we have so I mean and I feel like all the personalities are the same as far as toughness as far as wanting to get down as far as leadership I love Dallin's leadership I love when Foos comes back, how they, you know, I just love every aspect of this team and how they work together as one to kind of make these teams' lives miserable. So I was actually thinking about that question, but I don't know if I have an answer. There's just not one. There's not one guy because I feel like as a team, they did such a good job of kind of what they do. For BYU basketball star Mike Hall on the Wise Guys with us tonight, live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and YSGuys.com. The 2004 Mountain West Conference defensive player of the year so this makes you an expert to answer our next question about this team's defense let's be honest it wasn't good uh at oklahoma state but over the course of the season it's been really good what, what do you think of this defense what do you like uh, and i keep going back to this so i apologize for repeating myself but i feel like the defense plays together as a unit i think they play together as one um even on the on the the man-to-man when they're kind of guarding the guy, they do a good job of keeping guys, keeping guys in front of them also. Um, so if you, you, you couple that with just great, you know, help defense and guys being in the right spots defensively, that's a hard team to, to um, sorry, to score on. And also what they do well, they, they score the ball so well, it's hard for a team on offense to really get in transition and get on a whole lot of fast break points if you're not getting stops on the other end. So they do such a good job offensively. I think it helps them defensively too because you're not able to get a lot of transition points and things like that. Specific to that Oklahoma State game, Mike, I was thinking about this during the game. I'm asking myself this question because, um, and you know, people sitting around me watching the game are going like, "What's going on? Why are they not covering that guy?" And I'm like, 
because the scout says don't cover that guy. <laughs> right. Like, because Oklahoma State doesn't shoot the ball like that. Right. They just don't, right? But every once in a while, you get in a game where scouting report says, don't chase this guy to the perimeter. Mm-hmm. He's a 27% three-point shooter. And then the guy knocks three straight. Um, you know, go under the screen on this guy. You go under the screen, and he pulls up from behind the screen, and he knocks down a three. Right. That Oklahoma State team, I'm sorry, they're not a good three-point shooting team. Right. But they were phenomenal the other night. What, what do you do? When that happens, I mean, they shot lights out. It's not a good shooting basketball team. They, I don't know that they'll do that. They did, they've done it a couple of right, times right. this year, but they don't do that consistently. You get in a game and you're facing a team that all of a sudden is doing things that they never do. You scouted them to defend them a certain mm-hmm. way. What do you do? Yeah, I think at some point, that's just kind of the game of basketball. You're going to get a team that's just hot, right? Um, it, it just happens. And then hopefully... There's one thing you just kind of learn from it. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of the threes at Oklahoma State, they were contested. I mean, there were some open shots that these those guys have, but there are some contested shots too. And, that, and a lot of those guys did a lot of stuff off the dribble shots and things like that. And unfortunately, game of basketball, we all know it happens. And sometimes you just got to take one on the head and, and kind of learn from it and move on. But um, that probably won't be the last time it happens. It is what it is. And, and that's one of those things you just kind of have to learn from. Um, hopefully, if I mean, not hopefully, but if it happens again in, in the tournament, um, that, you know, the scout is a little bit more, I wouldn't even say polished because, again, I've, I'm sure Coach Pope and, and Cody and those guys do a great job with the scout. But sometimes you get guys who hit shots and they're not supposed to, and it just happens. I mean, we've all had days. I'm 40-plus years old. I can go to this bath, and I'm not good anymore. But there are some days where I'm just not You're missing. Just feeling it. You're <laughs> just, just feeling it. Exactly. So I think that's just kind of the game of basketball. It just happens, man. And you just got to hopefully learn from it. Um, and sometimes you just got to hope these guys miss at some point. And unfortunately, Oklahoma State, those guys were not missing. Mm-mm. And they looked really, really good. And, and again, with, with this conference, man, you never know. Because the, wor- the worst team in the conference is good. And <laughs> if the worst good. team in the conference has a great shooting night, if they shoot almost 60% from the field – and they shoot 50% from three, they can beat the best team in the conference. 100%. Which isn't always the case. Like, when Gonzaga was in their heyday, I don't care what University of San Diego <laughs> shot, they weren't beating them. Right. Right? Exactly. But that that's different in this league. 100%. And that's why I love this league so much. It's like, there's no days off. I mean, it's hard to look down the line at, the, at your schedule and say, oh, okay, we can probably get a win here, win there. Not in this conference, man. And that's why I love it. I love how competitive it is. And I love how our team is competing and showing up every day, even with guys who are injured. And, you know, our, our bench is a little shorter because some, some things happen to some guys and things like that. But, man, the way we compete in this league is just – it just makes me so happy. I, I love watching it. Mike, answer this one for the youth of America. Uh, is there an art to playing defense? And what did you lean on, focus on, to be such a successful defensive player? I think to, to start with, defense is you got to have a want to. you got to want to guard. Um, I think that's what – if you if you have the desire to guard, then I, I think you can be a really good defender. Um, now, some people aren't blessed genetically and athletically enough to, to always stay in front of guys. Um, but then at the end of the day, that's when you start reading scout reports and you start kind of learning the game a little bit and learning the person you're going to guard. Um, I think for me, this sounds terrible, but I think I was a lot more pro- – I, I just had pride in it. I hate being scored on, and I didn't want to be embarrassed. So I think couple. that's why I love guarding so much because, for one, I love – for one, shutting the guy down. I think that was super fun. 
Um, but for two, I didn't want to be embarrassed. I think my pride kicked in a little bit and having a guy like, uh, you probably remember this, but in my junior year, Jerry McNamara against Syracuse, he had 40 against us and he, I was the primary defender. I was embarrassed that whole summer, man. It was my last game. So it, I, I just don't like to be embarrassed. And I know that sounds weird, but I, I like guarding for one. And for two, I think I'm, I'm really prideful when it comes to that. I just don't love being scored on. So I think just wanting to guard and for two, understanding, you know, the guy you're guarding for three, for me anyway, it was just, the, I just didn't want to be embarrassed. I didn't want a guy, I, I didn't want to be on Sports Center. I don't want to be the guy that they're killing sports. You want to be the Air Force team. I don't want to be the Air Force guy. So. <laughs> hey, if this is a case that so Mike has made a case for pride being a good thing. <laughs> in this right? case, yeah. in this right. case, pride is a good thing. Right. So, so BYU's coming down the home stretch now. Six games left in, in the league, um, and 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 that's before the tournament, obviously, mm-hmm. and then before the big dance. They're eighteen and seven. They're six and six. They're right mm-hmm. at five hundred in the league, which I don't know that anybody would have projected. Right. It. So with six games left, eighteen and seven, six and six. How do you see this thing playing out? Man, I, I have a lot of confidence in this team, especially with the way the conference is right now. It's like anybody can beat anyone. So I don't put anything past. Um, to say I can, I, I think we can, you know, win out. But I also think that, you know, it can happen. It, you never know in this conference. And I mean, and, and just watching Oklahoma State the other day, you never know what team's going to be hot. And I think that's been kind of the thing with this conference. Whatever team's hot that night, they win, Right. I mean, you look at the Kansas games when they lost to um, I forgot who they lost to. I want to say they lose to. Well, they lost to five guys. Yeah, yes. lost five road losses. These five road losses. Hey, Kansas, Kansas won the league last year yeah, and won five league it, games. It, it, I lost five league games, exactly. right? It's, that's so this league. conference is so. But I have confidence in this team. I really do, and I think um, the rest of the, the last half of the season, I don't think teams are necessarily lining up to to play BYU. I think they know it's going to be a hard win, and I think our guys have the confidence to know that they can go in and win all these games. So I would like to say we'll, I think we'll win out. Um, but in this conference, man, I, I, I honestly don't know. It's I mean, so I, hard. I look at, they're in such a good position, 18 and seven. Say mm-hmm. they, say they went three and three, mm-hmm. 21 and 10. Big time. Did any of us think that nope. in this league, they could be 21 and 10? Not at all. I would be pumped with 21 and 10. Would you, or would you feel the same way? No, 100%. I'm actually really excited about where we are now. And I think going three and three in the next couple of, I mean, over the next six games, I think that'd be great. Like I said, there's a lot of doubters and haters <laughs> um, coming into this this thing. And again, I think this is the pride thing. It's like, I kind of just like, look, take that, take that. We, we proved you guys all wrong. So I love where the team is. And I actually think moving forward, we can actually, I, I think more than three. Yeah. I, th- I think more than I, three. I projected four and two, but everybody thinks I'm nuts. Yeah. But, but I would take three and three. So, and, and our, uh, right. I, can't remember, I can't remember who said, Dave said uh, that they were going to finish nine and nine. That would mean they would be three and three. Somebody said it on the chat <laughs> right. that they would finish nine and nine. Right. So. I like nine and nine. I, I mean, everyone's tired now. The Cougars looked tired the other day. You defend your home floor. You get a little boost of energy. Right. Defend your home floor and, and you pick up a quad win against Baylor, uh, a, a legitimate win against TCU, and then you get a rematch against Oklahoma State. Right. Man. I'm circling those three. Get to nine and nine. You got a good seed uh, in the tournament. Mike calls our guest on Wise Guys during his two years at BYU. 13.3 points per game. Now, you mentioned a moment ago, you guys got to the big dance in 04, played Syracuse. Mm-hmm. You scored 17 points. You left that out. McNamara <laughs> went off and did his thing, but you had 17. Right. Um, 
how valuable is just reaching the big dance for a program? I think it's very valuable. I, th- I think especially the way it is now with all the media and everything around, I think it's super valuable. I think it helps in recruiting. I think it helps all aspects of your, your program. Um, and, and then as a player planning, I think it's, it's probably outside of playing professionally as far as the college level, that going to the tournament, whether it's the first round, second round, whatever the case may be, I think it's such a good time. They, the media coverage and how they, they kind of treat you like, hey, like you're a king almost. Um, so I think just for the guys to make it there and experience that, I think that is just kind of a constant confidence booster in itself. So I, I, I love the NCAA tournament. Love it. Love playing in it. I love watching. I love everything about it. You know, Steve Cleveland, uh, who is your coach, mm-hmm. he joins us next week nice. on the show, which is cool. We always love having Cleveland in the house. Um, Dave, Dave Rose is going to join us later right. uh, in March when he's feeling a little bit better. Right. Um, just went, had a little, a little surgery, I guess, and just he was going to come on, right. uh, but we're he's he's promised to come on, and we're excited <laughs> yeah. uh, to have Dave in the house. What was it like playing for Steve Cleveland? Um, because you know he had to put that program back together mm-hmm. after that one in twenty five season in ninety six ninety seven. Mm-hmm. What a task that he was asked to do, but but he did it, and right. you and you were part of that rebuild, right? I think it was nice. It was nice for me because I came in after they, they had a really good year. Um, and I think the Travis Hansen was the only guy leaving. So I kind of just kind of filled it in this spot. So it was actually kind of nice for me because I came in with a veteran team, mm-hmm. being a new guy. So it was actually a pretty good transition. And by that time, I think Coach Cleveland was established. They had a winning culture and everything was, was kind of solid and solidified. So I think for me, it was actually a, it was a great transition. It was really easy for me. Um, but that goes in with the work with that Coach Cleveland did, it, along with Coach Rose and the rest of his assistants, just because it, it was by the time I came in, it was already kind of a, a – it was just kind of going by that time. Coaches don't like to say who their favorites are, but we know you're one of their favorites. Yeah. So. Hey, I think they have said it, actually. <laughs> so. that's good. I'll take that. <laughs> Mike, now you're in the – you're the director of player development for Kalani Sataki's football program. We mm-hmm. jump all the way across the hall – maybe even a couple of buildings uh, and, and talk football for a moment as we get ready for spring mm-hmm. practice. But what does it entail? When, what does the director of player development do for football? I think a little bit of everything, um, everything off the field anyway. I think I, when people hear director of player development, I think, I think they, they automatically assume that I'm on the field coaching things up. I'm not a football guy. I love football, but I couldn't coach. I kind of stay in my lane. Um, but essentially, it's, it's uh, most things off the field. Uh, that's dealing with the players, essentially. Um, I do a lot of the, the career development. Essentially, I like to tell people that I make sure these guys are doing what they have to do right now to have a really good plan B when they're finished playing football. Um, I rarely talk to our guys about football. I ask them how they're doing. I talk to them about them, how they're doing their development um, as, as not necessarily players, but as people. Coach um, Kalani always says, you know, he wants them to be better brothers, better husbands, better nephews, better men overall. And my job is to make sure they're doing that and give them the tools to kind of when they're done with BYU football, NFL, whatever the case may be, they can use those things for life after football. It's a crazy important role mm-hmm. uh, because I, you know, we all just watch what's going on in the stadium right. and, and don't have a glimpse into how important it is to develop young men mm-hmm. that, that come out and are contributors to society. I know that's important yes. to Kalani. Um, from your perspective, what are the biggest challenges for student-athletes today? Because yeah, you, you deal with it. 
Right. I, I think one of the big, this NIL thing, I think it's, it's, I, I don't know if I'm jealous cause I didn't plan it. Oh, I, I am absolutely jealous, <laughs> but, but I, I think the NIL thing for me, I, I think it's kind of hurting, you know, um, athletic programs because it's starting to be more about the money and less about football. Um, so I, I don't love that part. I think Kalani, especially this year, he, um, we had a team meeting not too long ago at the start of January, and he really emphasized, hey, we need to make this about football. You make this about football, you win games, you do what you have to do on and off the field, all that other stuff will come. Um, so I think he, he kind of sent a pretty clear message to our team this year and just, just said, hey, this is our focus. If you worry about that other stuff, this isn't the right place for you. Um, Coach definitely wants to make sure our guys are taken care of, and, and I think he does a good job of that. And as a staff, we do a good job of that. But the focus for our guys is football. And when they're not playing football, my focus is to make sure they're taking care of their business off the field to make sure they're, you know, great fathers, great husbands, great, you know, citizens, great in the community, you know, do things like that to improve themselves, you know, as, as men and not necessarily as football players. <clears throat> Mike, how how have you seen faith play a role in this player development off the field? And and when I say faith, not just the predominant faith on campus, but um, for all these guys that, that come from a variety of backgrounds, um, how important is faith in helping them to hold this all together and try to be, like you said, try to come out of this a better person than they were coming in? Mm-hmm. I think faith is important. I think, I mean, to, to have faith is to believe, right? And to to be successful in anything, whether it's life or football or as a husband, anything, you got to believe that you can do it. Um, our job is to make sure, you know, they're they're on the right path for one, and we're also giving them the right tools to be, um, to believe and to be successful and also have faith in doing that. I think Kalani already has a culture of faith that, you know, this we believe type thing. I think that's easy. I think they know that coming into um, the program, but when they get here, it's our job to make sure they see that we're helping them get to that point. Um, and I think we have a good culture of that right now. You you experience all of this yourself. Mm-hmm. You, know, you came in, you were a student athlete here. Yeah. Um, how's your experience as a student athlete helped you move into this role? And it really, the way you've explained, it doesn't matter that you played basketball. Right. You can work with football. You could work with any sport just because of your experience and what you're teaching these these young men in the football program. How did that experience you had help you to help these guys? I, I think it's it's really important to have someone there who actually lived it. Um, especially when I came here and played basketball at BYU, I um, I wasn't a member of the church. I wasn't I wasn't a member. So I think that experience, and then I end up getting you know baptized, and now I am a member of the church. So I think I can kind of relate to our guys on both sides of it. Um, also, uh, I like to have real conversation with our guys. I don't like to sugarcoat things. Um, there's conversations we have and they're real conversations. And, um, I, sometimes the guys love me for it. Sometimes they don't, but I, I hopefully in the long run, they, they appreciate it. The fact that I, I just care about our guys, um, the, the, the wins and losses. Obviously that's important. we got to keep our jobs. But at the end of the day, I care about them as individuals. And if I feel like guys aren't doing what they're supposed to do to be successful here at BYU and in this community, then I don't have a problem with calling them out on it. But I think, um, living in be living, you know, in Provo and, and going to BYU, I think my experience is kind of gives me a little bit of well, street cred. Street cred, yeah. Cred street cred is the right to, word to for it. To kind of have those conversations. So um, I, I think my relationship with our players are really good just because of that. I spent my first year last year just kind of um, 
you know, just because I have a title, I don't want our guys to trust me because I have a title. But I, I spent that first year trying to really get to know those guys and letting these guys know I'm here to take care of them. I think this year the relationship is there, so now I'm able to have a lot more meaningful conversation. I think they trust me a little bit more. That's great stuff. Hey, Dave, I was thinking uh, this Cougar Board question for the week is a good one for Mike to help us with because this is a hard one. It's a hard one to answer. Should we should we throw this out uh, for all yeah, three of us? Yeah, Let's do that. So I've got the Cougar Board question of the week here. If you're not familiar with Cougar Board, it's the largest online community of BYU fans. Thousands of posts daily. Um, the question is based on a post by JReed191, one of their users. Um, he posted, hey, Bart Torvik gave us an adjusted defensive efficiency rating for Saturday's game of 134.3. And for those of you who don't know who Bart Torvik is, he's like he, he's a metrics guy, yeah. right? So that is the worst rating BYU has had since at least the 07-08 season when he started tracking data. It's even worse than the December 2018 game against Weber State where we gave up 113 points. Mm-hmm. It's also the worst defensive team uh, in, in the nation Oh, he says the worst defense team in the nation is Mississippi Valley State. They're currently 0-25. They've only had three games all season that were rated worse defensively than what BYU did on Saturday. So the metrics are like, this was a disaster. (laughs) So his question with all of that is, what went wrong on defense on Saturday? (laughs) That's a lot of buildup to what went wrong on defense. I'm like, man, I'm going to have Mike help us with this one because this isn't an easy one. I I think when... When teams that are hitting shots, they're just hitting shots. I don't care what you do defensively. When the guy's hot, they're hot. Like, I mean, how many times have we watched in any game at any level where there's a kid? My son had a a, a high school basketball game, and the other guy on the other team had 42. He was hot. It yeah. is what it is. You know what I mean? So I think that actually can can expose some defenses and allow people to have some questions and things like that. Um I, I do think at, at this point, too, and this is an excuse for our guys, but this is a long season. This is a hard conference. Guys are traveling, and we're traveling a lot more than we've done. Again, I don't want to make any excuses for anyone, but I think I, I think these, these games take a toll on you at some point. Um, and traveling and things like that and, and coupled with guys hitting shots, it, it happens, man, and it, it really does happen. Um, I was watching – I forgot who I was watching today – um, but again, they, there's a other guy on the team who got hot and that defense looked poor. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it happens. So I, I was, I've been on the wrong and I was a defensive player of the year, but I've, there was guys I had to guard who just got hot and it happens and it happens a lot. Um, so again, that's not an excuse and I don't, I don't, I didn't break down the film or anything, but it, it's, it's all part of it, I think. Yeah. And I, and I feel like you, know, t- you can. You go back, you look at the film, you say, hey, next time if we get somebody like this, maybe we make this adjustment. Mm-hmm. So you do learn from it. And you mentioned that earlier. Oh, for sure. But there's a reason why nobody goes undefeated. <laughs> right. Right? And when, when's the last undefeated national champ? Dave you, Dave, you mentioned this the other day to me. It's been it's like. Uh, Indiana. It's Indiana is 76, I think it was. So uh, nobody's gone undefeated since 76. <laughs> exactly. There's a reason because at some point in the season, even if you're the best team in the country, you lose a game because somebody just shoots it great, shoots it right? Great. Yep. And I'm not saying that BYU couldn't do, because they did look a little lethargic at I times, agree. right? Yeah, I agree. And, and maybe they could have been there on the catch a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But all the other metrics in that game, like they didn't turn the ball. Like there's some other games they lost. Where I'm like, man, they need to handle the. They need. Right. Tr- they need to take care of the ball. Right. They, you know, they turned it over 17 times. And the other team had this much. We they handed them the game because of this. Mm-hmm. They didn't do what they. They dominated an offensive rebounding margin. They only turned the ball over eight times. Yeah. Like so, they did all the other things. They didn't shoot it well. And the other team shot it lights out way better. BYU shot way worse than they ever do. Mm-hmm. And that team shot the best they've shot all season long. Right. That's a formula to lose. You almost feel better about a game like that because you can just go, okay, aberration. Right. We got to get back to shoot. We got to be confident. We have to throw that one away because mm-hmm. you just can't think, man, are we going to shoot bad like this? Right. In football, we had a game in 1982. We were playing in the, in the Holiday Bowl against mm-hmm. Ohio State. Sometime in the third quarter, I was like, we need to do a running clock because if they might score a hundred on us today, right? Right. But, but I remember all all of us thinking, how, how did the wheels fall off on this thing? We're, we're way better than this, right? right? Right. Um, They're not that much better, but just nothing went right. We just couldn't do anything right. But we had been so good and had a track record of winning that we Mm -hmm. just chuck, chuck it up to, well, that's an aberration. Right. That's not how we play. The wheels came off. We just lined it back up the next season and went eleven and one. Went thirteen and zero the next season, you and go. you know it's just like no, that's that's not how we play. We just right. throw that one away. Next right. time we played them, we lost ten to seven, which was very frustrating. Right. But <laughs> in the Citrus Bowl, but I feel like that's the parallel in football. There's games when the wheels just come off, right? And I, I feel like that's every sport. There's every sport. There's always a game where you're just like, man, I don't know. And when it rains, it pours, right? Like. When, when Oklahoma State was, were making shots, all of a sudden, that's when we had a turnover or a missed blockout or something, you know, it just kind of all happens. And you just, as a player, you're just like, man, I, I, I thought I was playing hard, but when you go back and look at the film, it's like, maybe I wasn't playing as yeah. hard. As, and and so sometimes hard. I think when you've got a scout, and and, uh, and I want to hear your comment too, Dave, but you have a scout on a team, and all of a sudden they knock down like their first nine shots. <laughs> you're like, wait, this is not supposed to be a good shooting team. Right. Maybe a little bit of discouragement mm-hmm. sets in. You don't even realize that right. maybe you're you're not you're going like what is going on here, and right. you start to question what you're doing. And maybe you don't play with as much aggressiveness as you need to to climb back right, in that right. thing when it's just so surprisingly out of the ordinary. Right. So there's there's some of that too. What, what what's your thought on all this craziness, Dave? <laughs> I think you just sometimes have a bad day, and that's just all that it is. Iowa State had a bad day when they came to Provo, got mm-hmm. beat by 16 points. They're now first place in the Big 12, and right. they're ranked number six in the country. Iowa State. Uh, so they probably look at Provo going, what the heck happened to us out there? We should have won that game. Exactly. Uh, and they'll get a chance to pay back when BYU goes over to Ames. But but there's a, a team that got beat by BYU that probably feels the same way BYU feels, mm-hmm. having gotten beat by Oklahoma State. Which means, and, and Mike, we're going to hit you up with five questions in just a second and get you out of here, but it means tomorrow's game is so important because a win at home mm-hmm. against Baylor, who happens to be ranked number 11, can forgive a whole lot of misdoing. <laughs> and certainly, no one's going to be thinking about Stillwater. The BYU can win this week. Uh, and you go from 25, you jump right back into, you beat Baylor, who's number 11, you can jump back to number 17. Mm. Uh, and, and who knows what it'll do for your net, which is already number 10. So that being said, Mike, what are the keys to tomorrow night's game against Baylor for BYU to win? I, I, first of all, we kind of eliminate the things we did on Saturday against Oklahoma State for one. Uh, I think for two, just play with confidence. Feed off the fat, feed off the grit. And then I, I think don't change on what we do. I, I think let's be BYU. 
You know, I, I, I see comments, oh, live by the three, die by the three. Yeah, that's what we do. But we will hit those more more likely than not, I think. I think we just continue to to to, to listen to coach and, and, and kind of use our game plan and, and beat BYU. And I, I think being BYU is the reason why we're top 25 right now is just because we're BYU. We've been BYU all this time throughout the season. I'd say we don't change up doing what we do. But like I said, remember that. You know, it's like, um, like Oklahoma State, you have bad games. It happens. Let's move on from that. Let's learn from that. And let's go back to being BYU and playing good basketball, moving the ball, knocking down shots, playing good defense, rebounding. And, and I feel like everything will take care of itself. Yeah, Weston Birch on the chat says, I think that BYU's performance on Saturday was an anomaly. I'm not too concerned, dot, 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 yet. He says, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I agree. So, and, and, you, and you want to what? Oklahoma State comes, does Oklahoma State comes back here, don't they? Yeah. 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 So Oklahoma yeah. State, yeah, that's right. They come back here, last game of the regular season, mm-hmm. and uh, the ESPN uh, matchup predictor has BYU with a ninety-three point four percent chance to win at home <laughs> against a team that just beat them. We don't play any defense right. in that one. They'll beat us too. <laughs> right. I think right. we'll play. We'll play better at home. Right. Everyone does. And they Everyone and, does. and they won't make their first nine shots or whatever right. craziness it was. Right. And BYU will defend a okay. little bit harder, and the, sure. the runs will be a little shorter for them because the crowd will get into sure. it. BYU's Runs will be a little bit longer, right. and uh, and and I would expect that BYU will beat Oklahoma State at home, and they won't dramatically change the game plan. Now they may have caught some tendencies, like right. hey, when Small comes over the top, this next time let's go over the top of the right, screen with exactly. them. Right? They'll make some adjustments right. this next time for guys that surprise them, sure. but it won't be a dramatic change. I, I'm glad to hear you say they just need to be BYU, mm-hmm. Mike, because we, we hear Mark Pope say that all the time. I just tell the guys we we got to be who we are. Mm-hmm. And we're going to lose some games in this league, right. but we're going to win a lot of games in this league. But we got to be consistent with who we are, and we got to be confident in that. Right. And I and I and I actually love that. I mean, how many times have we had this conversation where we lose a game, everyone's upset, and we bounce right back, and we're back in the top, you know, fifteen? Mm-hmm. It happens. It happens to everyone. Look at Kansas. Look at any of the top teams across the country. It's, it's happening all over the country. Um, but the difference between the, the really good teams and the bad teams is they, I think they overcorrect and forget to be themselves. And I think Coach Pope is right. You go go in there and, and beat BYU and, and play like we can. And I think, like I said, we'll, we'll play a much better, especially at home. I yeah. think it's really hard to play here for opposing teams. But remember who we are and, and, and stick to that game plan. And I think, I think we'll be fine. I really do think we'll be fine. But, Mike, that's what makes baseball season so – uh, exhausting because you've got like 154 <laughs> games. So potential for a lousy day or a good day, good day, 154 times. And, and a lot of them are back to back. It's an emotional swing to be a fan. College basketball, they play a lot, but not as many. But you're right. Uh, when the team wins, everything's great. And when the team loses, everything's just the opposite. <laughs> and a uh, win tomorrow night has Cougar Nation right back up, feeling like, I think we can get to a four seed. Right. Um, that's the beauty of the wise guys and all the things we do at BYU TV is, is the audience is, is just so emotionally involved that um, probably drives coaches nuts, like bug players, but um, it fuels a sports department mm-hmm. and a following like BYU because we all feel better about everything right. when we win. Oh, man, isn't that the truth? <laughs> it's the truth. Some, some, some more from the chat. So Jonathan Ashcraft is saying, hey, I love the takes from Mike. So great to hear from you. They're so grateful that you're on. Um, uh, West, Weston Birch said, OSU was the game that BYU shouldn't have lost, but perhaps KU or Iowa State 
will be the win that BYU gets that they're not supposed to get, which mm-hmm. which absolutely could happen and wouldn't surprise us. Um, and then Al Ruiz uh, from Ableton says, hey, let's beat Baylor and UCLA. He's referring to men's volleyball right. <laughs> this week, right? I, I agree with that. I agree with that one, Kemp. Um, and then uh, uh, we will all know a lot about more. Kevin Rose says we'll know a lot about this team with how they respond against Baylor at home tomorrow night, which I agree with that as well. Um, good point, Kevin. So some some good contributions from the chat tonight. Well, Dave, should we get should we get to five questions for Mike? And yeah, Mike, all this all this has led up to what's about to happen. So <laughs> okay. the pregame show is over, and now we're gonna get right down to the good stuff. You ready? Like it. And these are you don't think about them. Just come up with okay. it. Okay. So your favorite sports movie. Favorite sports movie is probably it's a basketball movie from the nineties called Above the Rim. Oh, I remember Above <laughs> the Rim. Old school. The language isn't great, so make sure you watch a clean version. But I, I love that movie. Old school. Do you, do you know? School. I want to know from the two of you. Do you, you notice this? Because you just said that, right? So my wife and I will be like, man, movies these days <laughs> have so much bad language and these themes. Like you know, as our kids are growing up, and then we'll go, oh, we need to watch that movie we loved when we were. <laughs> Like at freshman at BYU, and we go back and watch it. And we're like, I don't remember when this language was in this <laughs> or this. I don't remember that theme being right, in this. Right. So is that's it, why I love when Moneyball comes on BYU TV. <laughs> Just turn it up and let it go. All yeah. the all the words are out. They got it all edited. Or you can watch it on it. You know, some of the airline versions are great too. Yeah, but, exactly. But yeah, as we get a little older, we get a little more sensitive. I think, and yeah. and uh, but above the rim, I For remember sure. it. Love I remember movie. it. Love so okay, your favorite singer or band. Favorite singer? I'll go with band. I'm a big R&B guy, so I'm, I'm a boys to men guy. Oh, oh man, R&B. Right. R&B. That's two old school answers, right to that. <laughs> I'm boys to soul. men is that <laughs> is good soul. stuff. They came and performed at the Sarah a couple years I ago. I was there. They was, were phenomenal. They, were great, yeah. they still had all those tight harmonies. <laughs> they were so so good. I loved it. What's your What's your favorite song? Um, of theirs. Um, it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Oh, I love it. Um, I'm bending knee. Oh, I'm bending knee. I can. Oh. I'm, I'm singing it in my head right now. I don't yeah. want to embarrass myself or you guys. Yeah. We were about. We were about to. Like, <laughs> it's so hard Uh-oh. to say goodbye. Love that song. Yeah. Shed a tear. Yeah. Mike it's, it's sings so on good. every show. By yeah. show. If I don't sing something, if I don't sing something, it wasn't a show. It <laughs> wasn't it. a show. So, okay. Next, your this is very important. Okay. Favorite breakfast cereal. Ooh, favorite breakfast Think cereal. You know what? This this is gonna. This is going to sound old school a little bit too, but I'm I'm a big honey bunches of oats guy. Oh, you know what? I love okay. Honey bunches of oats. All right. I'm is, not a big isn't that guy. what Kristen Kozlowski <laughs> just said last week? Honey bunches of oats. I think so. Yeah. For, okay. Former BYU women's basketball yep. great Kristen Kozlowski. Yep. So her her I think Brody her son's a number one rated basketball recruit in yeah, the state right now. He's a good player. Really, yeah, really good. good. Yeah. So and she feeds him honey bunches of oats as well. See, that's, she knows it's she's working. doing. She yep, knows it's she's working. Doing. So, your favorite BYU moment, and it doesn't have to be on court. Uh-huh. It could be anything at BYU that was your favorite moment. My favorite BYU moment. Um, it, for me, it'd probably be on on the court. Um, there are so many great moments at BYU for me. Um, I don't know. I would say that whole my junior year that season was really fun. We 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 went to the tournament. We won some big games. We we won some close games. I, I just love that. Oh, I, I guess so. Also, uh, when I was director of basketball operations during the gym years, that was pretty fun. 
That was oh, yeah. exhausting, but that was really fun. I was just I was just texting Jimmer today yeah. about a, about a couple of things, but yeah, that was fun for all of us. That, <laughs> that Jimmer was, time, and you were involved back yeah, then too. That was that was fun, exhausting, but really really fun. Yeah, that was fun. So cool. Yeah, that junior year was a magical year for you. Yeah, it was fun. It was yeah. a fun year. Okay, this and this probably is the most important one. The favorite advice you've ever gotten from Tara, your wife. Um. Because we know she grounds you, keeps yeah, you grounded. Oh, 100%. I would say be Mike. You know, be Mike. Um, I'm not good at trying to be someone else, you know, be, and be Mike. And I think she told me this when, you know, when I was going through my transition of, of, of joining the church. And, you know, there are some little fears there saying, I can't be, I won't be able to be myself, blah, blah, blah. Be Mike. Be Mike. The Lord knows you. So I think that's probably the best advice ever. Because it's easy. I know how to be me. That's the easiest thing I know how to do. Did you ever accuse her of plagiarizing Michael Jordan when she said, be Mike? Be like Mike. But she didn't tell him to be like Mike. She told him to be Mike. Yeah, but I, I'll, I'll take the like Mike, too. I'll try that. <laughs> I came up short with that one. That's for sure. Well, that's that, is, awesome. that is great advice for everybody. And I love that as you were investigating um, the church and whether or not you were going to join for her to just say, no, Lord knows who you are. Be mm. be who you are. That's right. who the Lord loves everybody for who they are. Yeah. And like like the Savior meets us where we're at. Right. Simple. Simple. Yeah. That's that's great. Great Simple. advice. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. It's great having you with us, Mike, uh, tonight. Mike Hall, director of player development for the football team, and one of the great defenders and still owner of uh, what still might be the best dunk in uh, school history. You only had a couple good ones, but uh, yours was phenomenal, and we were. Happy to be on the call. Thanks for coming tonight. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. So fun. glad to have you here, and uh, and so glad to have you working with our with our football athletes. Mm. So it's been fun. I yeah, love it. Love it. So thanks, Mike. Appreciate you guys. Thank so, you. And like you this it. is so Thank casual, you. you can just like get up and go whenever you're ready to go. <laughs> so well, and you can walk through the green room that is actually a brown room. Uh, it's on, nice in here, man. On your way up, uh, and, and you can stay as long as you want. Too, so. I appreciate it. It's guys. so Thank good you. to have you with us, Mike. Thanks so much. So. Next week, Steve Cleveland will be with us. So will Connor Pay, the center of attention on that offensive line. Noah Hartsock and David Nixon join us in March. Hey, John, by the way, by the way, negotiating with his wife to be freed up on Monday night for a little bit to come on the show. You know, Monday night's an important night. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but he could do it for so, family home evening. It's like a family home evening like lesson could. with that John on here. Feels like he could. So, so he's working on that. Mac Paul and TJ Haas are coming up. Uh, in a couple of weeks, Greg Rubel, Greg Cusick, and uh, Dave and Garrett Rose could be with us March 25th. And we're going to be on tonight. Um, but as you mentioned, uh, Dave had some surgery last week and uh, bouncing back as fast as he wanted. So we're like going, hey, we're good. Let's do it on March 25th. They're, a, they're actually a tandem where they go public speaking and tell Dave's story, both Dave and his son Garrett, and we're going to learn all about it and uh, find out some places where we can all go see it. But uh, we're going to let him rest up and have him in on, on March 25th. We got some awesome guests slated for the wise guys in the uh, in the weeks and, and months ahead. Um, hey, let's while we're talking about basketball with Mike, let's go back to a couple of things. Um, and I, I, I think they're they're kind of interesting to talk about. Um, BYU's in seventh place in the Big 12. They're game back to Texas Tech and TCU. The top six get five deeper into the big club tournament. Um, I think you skip the first two rounds. That's pretty big. Um, 
and four of BYU's remaining six conference games are against teams that are actually ahead of them in the standings. But one thing I thought was interesting, if the season ended today, the Big 12 put out a graphic. If the season ended today, BYU would open play in the second round against Texas. Right. Who they've beaten this year. Man, yeah, man, I like that real. matchup, and I like that BYU didn't have to play in the first day. That's right. But they'd show up in the second round, you know, and they could go back there and cause some trouble. Well, and if Mike's right, if they let's say they go four and two, right? So he was saying hopefully four and two. We'd all say we'd be happy with three and three. Let's say they go four and two and they finish at ten and eight. I I bet they get the double bye. Don't you think they get the double bye with a four and two finish? Would seem like yeah, it. I think they could get to number six. You get in the top six, you get a double bye. That'd be huge. Because yeah. then you got to play a team that's been playing two games already. Yep. Yeah. Uh, or at least one game already. And so that's why these last six games are are important. If you look back to last week, there are a couple of interesting things. This really kind of how crazy things were. Uh, the Cougars shoot 8 of 35 from the three-point line uh, against Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State was red hot, and that, that's one thing we we didn't expect. And then, Blaine, a couple of days before that, BYU ties the school record making 40 of 46 free throws to beat UCF by two, um, and so we hadn't seen that before for, for a long, yeah. long time, and especially with this team, which has struggled from the free throw line. So those are two weird things we saw last week. Yeah, and, and it's both maybe aberrations. I don't know the BYU is ever going to shoot that many free throws again this season, but the thing the BYU's done, they've found different ways to play and to win or to be in games. seems like each week there's some, something else they do. So, um, hey, that, that's a tough one. As I mentioned w- with Mike, BYU only had eight turnovers in that game against Oklahoma State. Yeah, Dallin Hall had five. Yeah, now that's great. Yeah, and that, that's just like completely weird. Like, Dallin Hall's not been turning the ball over lately. So for some weird reason, he has five. But as a team, they only have eight. And if you look at all the metrics, the, I, I look through every metric and every stat, and you know what my conclusion was? Wow, they just got outshot in this game. Oklahoma State just yeah. shot the ball. Too good. You know, and some, they, some, but, sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens. So I'm, I'm yeah, going to look at that one as an aberration, not not a trend. And so now tomorrow, I think they have a chance to, you know, they got number 11 Baylor coming in, a, a ranked matchup in the Big 12, BYU 25th in the AP, um, two top 10 uh, or top 15 net teams and Ken Palm teams. You know, combine those important metrics. So, and remember in that first meeting, Baylor wins, but, but BYU led by nine points in the second half of that game and couldn't yeah, close it out. fell apart. Yeah. Fell apart. Jalen Bridges had 25. they got to keep an eye on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, remember, Hughes wasn't 100%. Uh, right. And, and Trevor Nell and Spencer Johnson each had 15. That's where BYU got their points. But well, I, what do you think? If they can win tomorrow, I think oh. they will win tomorrow. But yeah. if they can win tomorrow, their net's already at 10. How high does their net go? I think they probably go back up. To, I think they go back up to seven with a win over Baylor. And remember, the net is what the NCAA tournament uses to determine the worthiness of a team in the field. And if, if you're sitting in in the top ten, um, you're in, and you're you're getting a good seat. Yeah, they need to do. You know, Jalen Bridges was really physical with them. You know, he got to the free throw line, went eight of nine from the line. He's their big six nine senior forward. This is a veteran basketball team, and uh, he's averaging ten point seven points a game. And BYU let him get twenty five because they let him kind of bully them down there. I think BYU will play smarter. They'll be more physical. Foose was just kind of integrating back in. He's in now. 
So you got a physical wow. presence that can play him down low. Um, but but he was a big big problem. And then uh, you know they're they're they have long guards. Uh, you know Jacoby Walters six five and Jaden Nunn six four. That gave BYU some problems in that first matchup. But it seems like Dallin Hall's grown up. That I do believe Oklahoma State was an aberration. Maybe pressing a little bit because they were shooting it so lights out. But I just don't see BYU turning the ball over, um, especially the the critical turnovers out in the backcourt where they lead to just easy buckets on the other end. There, there's a difference between turnovers and the type of turnovers. And when BYU's, and you throw it and Foose turns it over on the baseline and they take the ball out of bounds and you set your defense, that's not as devastating as when you turn it over in the backcourt and they get a run out on the other end. And it was, there's a few of those right. against Oklahoma State. Not a lot of turnovers, but a few of those. But against Baylor, there's a number of those that, that cost BYU that nine-point lead in the second half. So On, on Saturday, uh, February 24th, BYU's at Kansas State. I'm not, I don't feel great about this one. Mm-mm. That's a new mountain start on ESPN+. Cougars beat the uh, Wildcats 72-66 just the other day on February 10th. Um, it got weird there toward the end. Kansas State. But nine, one for nine from Tyler Perry. That doesn't, that's not going to happen mm-hmm. at home. Sam Carter, uh, 0 for 5, shooting threes. That's not going to happen at home. So, man, tomorrow night just feels really, really important because it's at home. Yeah. And if, and it, you know, I always refer to this ESPN matchup predictor. Uh, it has BYU um, 62.8% chance to beat Baylor at home. They, they, they give them a 57.7% chance to win at Kansas State, which surprised me. Because Kansas State's so physical, um, they only give them a thirty-one percent chance to win at Kansas. So, um, and then TCU back at home, seventy-eight point eight. So, so if we take a look in that next block of four games, they need to get one of the two Baylor and Kansas State, and then beat TCU, and they go two and two in these next four. I like I like where they're they're, they're sitting. Then they go and they Iowa State on the road is going to be a tough one. And then, uh, and then, you know, I think they come home and get a win against Oklahoma State. Maybe a little easier than people think. That that would that would make them go three and three, like we talked about, to finish and get them to to twenty one wins. I, it'd be phenomenal. Now they may surprise me and get Baylor, Kansas State, and TCU. Or you know what? They may lose to Kansas State and beat Kansas. Like you just never know in this league. It might be BYU's night to shoot sixty percent from the field at Kansas. We'll see. We'll see. Women's basketball, 15 and 12, 5 and 9. Uh, the Jayhawks beat BYU 70-62 in Provo the other night. But did you see Lauren Gustin, 33 oh, points and 18 rebounds? She is ridiculous right now um, with yeah. what what she's doing. 33 and 18? Are you kidding me? That is that is ridiculous at how well she is playing right now. And then yeah, against cool. Central Florida, she had 22 and 15. That seems like a pedestrian night out for her, 22 and 15 which anybody in the country would give their eye tooth for. And that, that one seems like, oh, yeah, Lauren just wasn't her normal self. She only had 22 points and 15 boards. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're tied for eighth now with Oklahoma State and TCU. Uh, three games behind seventh place Baylor, who they beat a couple of weeks ago. And this week, they host TCU Wednesday night on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. TCU got them back in December. Mm-hmm. And then they're at Iowa State, and Iowa State beat them in Provo, uh, eighty to seventy-five in early January. It's a tough road for women's basketball. Those guards have to hit shots, and Dustin's got to be on. But they've shown in winning three of their last four, they can do it. Yeah, and and you know in that UCF game, um, Kaylee Woolston had eighteen. 
um, to win in Orlando. They won that game 64-60 last Tuesday. So they're capable, right? So tough environments to go play in. But I love this young guard line. And, and I think they're just going to do nothing but get better. And they've been getting better, as you just pointed out, with this little bit of a, a good run here. Um, yeah. Hey, talk, talk to us about BYU baseball. You're, you're down there. Take us through what's gone on this week down in Mesa at Sloan Park. You've been calling it all. How are they looking down there? and What's happening? It's been such a fun thing. It's the uh, MLB Desert Invitational. Eight teams were invited in. BYU played the final game today against Grand Canyon. Right there at Sloan Park where the Cubs play all their spring training home games. And then around this complex, there are seven practice fields. And it's just pub, it's pub heaven. For a Cub fan, it's been kind of fun. I walk across the field and watch the guys doing batting practice. And you walk back and watch the college kids. There's such a difference between these college kids and these pro guys. Just in how they walk, how they talk, and the size of these Major League Baseball players are so much bigger than these college kids. And it's been a great experience for for all of them. The BYU went 1-2. and two. They beat USC 8-1 to one back on Friday. Uh, Ohio State beat them Saturday night 7-2. and two. And then this afternoon, they blew a 2 nothing lead, uh, gave up, uh, really struggled on the mound in the 7th and 8th innings. And Grand Canyon, who might be the best team here, uh, beat them six to two. Wednesday, we go over to California, play the Bears, and then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, UC Davis uh, on the road. We're in a ten-day road trip. I can't believe I haven't been away from home there. this long since the Olympics. Yeah, I can't believe you're out there doing all of that. While you're doing that, I'm just going to head over and I'm going to do the pre and post game show tomorrow night for that Baylor game with Tyler and Kristen and Jerem. So we'll. I'll be there on BYU TV. Dave will be on BYU Radio for the next, well, how many more days is this road trip? You got five more? We come home Saturday night. So okay. But what I'm going to do is I'm flying to Vegas tomorrow because uh, I've got to do a convention, and then I'm flying from Vegas to Oakland on Wednesday in time to call the Wednesday BYU Cal game, and then we go on to UC Davis. So I'm oh, hopping man. three states in three days. That's how we roll, and that's how we're rolling. Um but the, the softball team was just down here, too, playing a, across the, the valley in Tempe, and uh, they're off to an 8-2 start, feeling pretty good. That's right. They're playing the Littlewood Classic down there. On Thursday, Arizona State beat BYU 10-6. to um, but And then and number 21, Virginia Tech, beat BYU 2-1 to on Friday. But then BYU blanked Illinois State 10-zip on Friday. Uh, BYU pounded Memphis 12-5 to on Saturday. And then uh, BYU beats Cal State Fullerton in a close one, six to five, uh, eight innings on Saturday. So, yeah, that was uh, a little extra time there when they were playing these double headers, right? Not double headers, yeah. but two games in a day. They played two games Friday, two games Saturday. So uh, um, they they finished off the weekend really, really strong. This week, um, they're at the Nutter Collegiate Cl- Classic. So you know, during this weather time, you know, both the baseball and softball teams are out on the road in Cathedral City, California. So they're going to join you over there in California. Thursday, um, they're against Bethune-Cookman. Um, and then they their second game on Thursday is UC Riverside. Friday against Long Beach State. And then Saturday against Cal Poly. So, I mean, the softball schedule sounds a lot like uh, what you're doing. And then they finish up Saturday against Rutgers from the Big Ten. So f- I don't know how – it seems like it's a little easier pitching because the underhand – I know they throw it with a ton of velocity, but it doesn't put the torque on the elbow and all that, and those pitchers can just go more in softball. Playing two games in a day, multiple days in a row, I just can't even imagine. I think softball has four pitchers, and, and baseball has 15. Yeah. yeah. And it's such a 
such a thing, but it's all about pitching. Pitching yeah. oh. going to beat Ohio State and late pitching today, awesome against Grand Canyon and and uh, and same thing with softball and and so hey, the seasons are young. Eventually, they're going to come home and play some home games. But right now, it's wherever the weather's warm. That's where uh, the cold weather schools are going to play. That's right. Men's volleyball, they're number eight in this week's poll. Grand Canyon, they were number two. They swept them both nights. Grand Canyon was just better. And, uh, you know, we've had enough of Grand Canyon because yeah. uh, Grand Canyon beat baseball and had their way with volleyball. But here comes UCLA on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, and, and this is number four UCLA against number six BYU. Uh, that one's on BYU TV with Jerem Jordan and Steve Vale calling it. Um, hey, the last time a highly ranked UCLA team came into Provo, I believe the women's soccer team was ranked number one in the country and BYU shut them down. So let's see if uh, if history can repeat itself in men's volleyball and BYU can shut down number four UCLA. They're very good, though. Very good. Yeah, that place will be rocking uh, Friday and Saturday. Gymnastics, uh, BYU went to number five, Kentucky. Back-to-back SEC dates, uh, yeah. and the Wildcats won that one. Cougars are home against Denver this Friday night at 7 o'clock. Yeah, and then men's golf, BYU finished 13th at the John Burns Intercollegiate in Hawaii. I love where the, the golf team's been the last couple of weeks. So um, uh, the Cougars finished 11th or 11 over par. Uh, the tournament champion Arizona was 20 under. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a warm a big golf. warm weather school seem to be really good in golf. Next tournament is the Lambkin Invitational. That's March 4th through 5th in San Diego. Women's golf is uh, at the Causeway Invitational February 26th through 27th in Sacramento. So a lot of California play for all of BYU's teams here in this next uh, couple of weeks. I remember the Groundhog uh, let us all know it's going to be a um, early spring, and so maybe that'll bode well for the spring sports. Yes. Get back yeah. on their field. Uh, softball and, and baseball and, and have some have some home games, which I think are a couple of weeks away for baseball and uh, maybe a little bit longer for softball. Should we head down the stretch? Let's do it. Let's let's talk about on this day. February 19th. This is a leap year. Is this a leap year? We get. I think we get an extra day. I think it is a leap year, yeah. Is there a 29th DJ this month? There is. It's a leap year. Okay, so here we go. Down the stretch, we're just, we got 10 days left in the month instead of the nine that happens every, you know, three out of four years. Birthdays, February, or no, on this day, 1945. The U.S. Marines raised the U.S. flag on Iwo Jima in 1945. How about that? That's big. Yeah. 1965, the NFL adds a sixth official, the line judge. Today there are seven and a replay official, but in 1965 they thought, you know what? Maybe we should add a line judge. I think that was a good thing to do. There's a headlinesman and a line. So now there's somebody on each side of the line of scrimmage, by the way. So yeah. I think that's good. You can't see what's over there from over here. You got to have them no. on both sides. So I so think they that, have a hard time seeing what's in front of them. Good, good call. Exactly. So, um, hey, not that long ago, 2014, on February 19th, Utah's Ted Ligeti wins the gold medal in the giant slalom in the Sochi Olympics in Russia. And you were there. Yeah, I was there, and I interviewed him right after he won, and he had handed me his gold medal, and uh, it was a big moment for the Utah ski community and for Team USA, and uh, yeah, he rocked it over there in Sochi. On this day in 2019, Manny Machado wow. agrees to the biggest free agent contract in American sports history, 10 years, $300 million with the Padres. How long did that last? Well, Shohei Otani signed a 10-year $700 million deal with the Dodgers last year. Unbelievable. 
Otani is phenomenal. Like he can do whatever he can pitch. He can play. He, I think he can play any position on the field, but and he can hit it like nobody's business. So yeah, he he is a crazy gifted. But seven hundred million dollars, seventy million dollars a year, Dave. What what did I do wrong? I like I I need seventy million a year. We need new friends. Yeah, you know we need we need new friends. Or maybe Otani could just give me ten million a year, and he wouldn't even notice. So I wish you I wish you do that. Then you gave me five. Yeah, and and three people be happy. Him, you, and me. No, because I would give I would if I got five, I would keep two, and I'll give I'll give you DJ and Jack all one. Well, I thought you were getting ten. What'd you do with the other five? Oh, I forgot. I had to keep the other five. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So yeah. I'll 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 keep uh, I'll keep four, and I'll just give you guys two each. How's that sound? All right. Seems good. So. Seems good. Birthdays on February 19th, Smokey Robinson, 1940. I love Smokey Robinson. 1955, Jeff Daniels, Dumb and Dumber. Hey, I thought. He's the, been in a lot of, he's been in a lot of movies. That but, John Denver's full of crap. I thought the Rocky Mountains would be a little rockier. <laughs> <laughs> when, if you're in the right mood, uh. The Dumb and Dumber is so funny. And if you're not in the right mood, oh, it's the dumbest movie ever. It's the dumbest Dumb and Dumber ever. It's the most annoying. But, oh, if, you, <laughs> if you're just in silly fun mood, that, oh, that movie. Yeah. And there's so many there's so many lines from that one-liners from that movie. That's one of my favorites. So that John Denver is full of crap. <laughs> 1959, February 19th, Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner. By the way, his annual salary, $64 million. And that's not to be a commissioner and make 64 mil. That's how big those TV contracts yeah, are. Yeah, amazing. 1963, Seal was born on this day. That's right. And uh, we're not talking about Navy Seal. We're not talking about Seal of the Ocean. We're talking about the musician Seal. Musician what what Seal. supermodel, is he still married to, um, what supermodel is he married to? Uh, was it Claudia? Heidi, Heidi Klum. Heidi like Klum. That? Heidi Klum. He was. I don't know if they're. Are they married? He was. I think was married to Heidi Klum. I don't know. I think he was. Is he I still DJ? DJ says yes. DJ says yes. Good still job, married DJ. to Heidi Klum. I pulled that one right out of my way way back memory. So That's right. good job. Okay, now now that was a positive. Now the negative is the February nineteenth deaths, but maybe it's not all negative. Uh, Two thousand sixteen. Harper Lee, the author of To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, that was my favorite book. Uh, one of my favorite books. Uh, that I've ever read. Um, and the movie was good too. Yeah. That uh, was so well done. But, uh, uh, and, and, uh, and she's also our wise guy's inspirational quote of the week. She's earned her spot. So, hey, by the way, um, Kay Porter says, now be nice, guys, lol. As a Division One retired headlinesman, it was great to see a line judge across the <laughs> field. And Dave, you're right. It is tough to look all the way across. Those guys are pretty big. So he, he confirms what we were saying. <laughs> Dave <laughs> Porter, we're on your side. That's all. We we're, we got you covered, okay? So awesome. So uh, our wise guys' inspirational quote of the week is by one of your favorite authors, uh, authors of course, Harper Lee, um, To Kill a Mockingbird. And this is it: the one thing that doesn't abide by majority rule is a person's conscience. Yeah, that's pretty deep and yeah. really well said when you think about it. Yeah, that's not majority rule. So good stuff. Hey, our, our great thanks to Mike Hall for being in studio here 
And for yeah, our, our buddy Dave McCann, who's just calling games all day long and still, you know, found the time to go hole up in his hotel room and come join us via video. I'm starving. I've got to go find something to eat. I came over from Sloan Park and we got situated. And uh, I'll be back in the studio next week and you'll be somewhere. Yeah. Hey, but no, next week I'm going to be in town. So, Are you in town? Yeah, yeah. I, we, we, we changed our plans. I'm not going to. Oh, that, that trip that I had to take is not until April now. So. Good, because Steve Cleveland's going to be in studio with us. So excited so to be here with the Cleveland. center of the team, Connor Pay. Oh, and Connor, you guys wait till you meet Connor Pay, all you out there. Um, he is a great personality, and, and he's going to be fun. And we, we love Coach Cleveland always. So, yeah, excited to have them on. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be in town next week, so we'll both be in studio next week. Good. And I hope, hope you have better. Remember when we were doing a game in Fresno um, on New Year's Day, and we arrived late New Year's Eve. And we were staying at a hotel that was way out there, and we didn't have a car. And we had to knock on the window of a gas station that was closing so that the guy could give us some of those cup of soups to put in the microwave in our hotel and some day-old Danishes. And that's what you and I celebrated the new year in with was cup of soup and day-old Danishes from a gas station next to the hotel in Fresno. The, the glamorous life that, that we lead. Uh, and we were so grateful that the attendant came and unlocked the door and let us in because he was close. When you're desperate, when you're desperate, you're grateful for anything that you can get. It may, it, we were humbled because we thought we were going to starve to death and the Danishes yeah. in the, in the cup of soup did, did the job. We survived to the next day till we could call the game. So we made it. Lane will see you tomorrow night on BYU TV's pregame coverage at six mountain, eight Eastern on uh, ahead of BYU and Baylor, which is on the mothership, ESPN. What a what a great moment it is for BYU on ESPN to show what they got, to bounce back and, and beat a team that's ranked number 11 in the country. I'm really excited for, for that game tomorrow night. And then Dave will talk to you uh, Wednesday night, Six Mountain, uh, for BYU Cal on BYU Radio. So tune in and listen to the baseball team with Dave. And then we'll both be back here and see you next week. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Podcast will be up tomorrow. Look for it. Share it with your friends. And uh, we look forward to being all back in the same in the same room uh, one week from tonight. What a great show this is. It's great that we can do it from anywhere in the world and, and have great guests like Mike Hall. And, and, uh, and we're just uh, we're heading toward our second anniversary, but we're just getting started. See you all next week.